Hello, this is Joe Swanson, and this is the Joe Swanson Propaganda Podcast. And uh, this episode, I had the pleasure of talking with uh, Jason Anderson from O'Reilly's Tattoo Parlor in Santa Cruz. And uh, that was a little Miles Davis. We're going to listen to that a little bit later as well. Um, <laughs> so hope you enjoy it. We talked a lot of uh, a lot of different topics as we usually do uh, on this podcast. We got into tribal tattoos and and a little bit into drawing and painting structure and uh, talked about his first ex- uh, tattoo experience and um, Texas agriculture and shit. So uh, hope you enjoy it, man. Jason's a really cool guy and uh, down in uh, Santa Cruz, uh, go get tattooed by him. You can find him at uh, Jason Anderson tattoo dot com uh you can also find him on the uh the o'reilly's uh web page um and that is o'reilly's tattoo parlor uh, dot com so go check his stuff out he's also on instagram uh which is jason underscore anderson underscore 1891 so go check that out you can find me on instagram at og joe swanson and uh, on Twitter, come on, hit me up on Twitter, people. Let's get on there and uh, uh, give me some feedback and, and uh, tell me what you're, uh, you're thinking about the uh, podcast. So um, also, if you're enjoying the podcast, again, as I, I say it every uh, intro and outro, you can come get tattooed by me. This uh, will be airing on Saturday, by, available by Saturday morning. Uh, I will be at Black Dagger Tattoo uh, Saturday morning and then uh, uh, or Saturday afternoon come on in um, or hit me up and we'll set something up. I will also then be at Hard Luck Tattoo where I work one day a week uh, out here in Lodi because um, I live out here. So I'm there on Sunday. So come on by and get uh, tattooed uh, by me. That's one direct way you can get, uh, you can support the podcast. You can also get my DVDs again until I get uh, off my ass, get my new website up. You can get them through Kingpin, Bickney, ReliAid, and tattooflashbooks.com. Uh, check those out. Um, also, I still have, uh, uh, I'm going to be doing that limited run of posters uh, printed by uh, Master Craftsman uh, and printer Jay Foran out in New York. Um, so those are going to be 80 bucks. Uh, if you would like to pre-order one of uh, the first 25 hand-numbered and signed uh, prints of that, uh, go ahead and uh, PayPal Black Dagger Tattoo at gmail.com that's 80 bucks and uh 10% of that is going to be going to the ta- Amsterdam Tattoo Museum so uh support um support me and then uh I'm going to do a little give back and support uh them so I think they're doing a good thing kind of trying to uh keep history alive and I would like to do my best to to help them out so Follow me on Twitter, OG Joe Swanson. Follow me on Instagram at OG Joe Swanson and hit me up if you have any questions or you, uh, comments, concerns. Um, OG Joe Swanson at gmail.com. And also, you can uh, find um, uh, what was I going to say? I lost my train of thought here. Um, anyways, fucking support it. And I hope you enjoyed listening uh, to the podcast. Give me some feedback. Hit me up, you know, all that shit. So enjoy. This is Jason Anderson, Samuel O'Reilly, uh, O'Reilly's. T- I don't know why I fucking say Samuel O'Reilly's all the time. Uh, Samuel O'Reilly's the motherfucker who patented the first tattoo machine in 1891. Okay, but it's O'Reilly's Tattoo Parlor in Santa Cruz. Jason Anderson. 
Hey everybody, this is uh, Joe Swanson, and this is my fucking podcast, uh, Joe Swanson Propaganda Podcast. And uh, if you're worried about those little red fucking letters that say explicit next to it, then don't listen. But if you're down to fucking hear some good shit from an amazing tattooer, uh, and then stick around. This is uh, Jason Anderson from Samuel uh, from O'Reilly's uh, Tattoo Shop in Santa Cruz. How's it going, man? You had a little treacherous drive to work today. Yeah, I uh, my 15-minute commute turned into about a half an hour, which I guess isn't that bad. But there was a, uh, a fire on the side of the freeway, which kind of bogged us down for a little bit. Yeah, that blows. <laughs> uh, I, have a, I have a pretty shitty commute to work. It's about an hour and 15 minutes long, and it's on a two-way, two-way road that's just no fun at all. Yeah, that's no bueno. Yeah, so you uh, you're working at O'Reilly's in um, Santa Cruz, and and you you apprentice there too, right? Yes, I did. Cool. And Tell, I know you told me uh, the story a little bit of your apprenticeship, and I know uh-huh. that that a uh, I think somebody had done an article on you, and and you talked a little bit about it, but I think you're one of the guys that I know that I'm familiar with that has gone through a real legit apprenticeship talk a little bit about that that was with clem uh who's an amazing artist and uh how was that experience for you um it was uh it was awesome you know and super hard (laughs) and frustrating and you know all the other stuff that goes along with an apprenticeship but um you know super valuable i mean it was about well i worked as a shop guy um, at another tattoo shop with Clem and Dan that I work with as well, Dan Weiss up here now. And uh, I think I was there for about three years mm-hmm. as just a shop guy with no apprenticeship, no promise of an apprenticeship, nothing. Just, you know, doing shop shit. Just working. You know, making needles, you know, making appointments, breaking yeah. down, setting up, all, you know, everything that goes with it. So. Um, did did you then, have at that time when you were working uh, those three years, did you have an, an interest in it or, or an idea that you, it was something oh, that you wanted to pursue? So yeah, you just knew you had sure. to put in the hard work. Yeah. And it was, it's one of those things, you know, I'm kind of a late bloomer, I guess you could say, cause, uh, I'd already gone to school, you know, had a degree. I was a graphic artist for like five or six years and had always wanted to, you know, make tattoos and had always been into them and had got them and, you know, all that stuff. And, uh, it just never worked out that I got an apprenticeship. You know, I tried a little bit here and there when I was younger, just didn't pan out. And I, I knew enough to know that I didn't want to just get out, go out, buy some machines and start, you know, jacking up my friends. Right. Um, cause a good friend of mine was a tattooer and that's who had tattooed me when I was younger and he'd kind of broke it all down to me and he uh he went through a formal apprenticeship with greg james at spotlight or no i'm sorry at uh sunset strip in los angeles Mm -hmm. and uh so he kind of educated me as far as the right way and the you know the wrong way to do things so i'd always had that in the back of my head and uh so it just worked out that i was hanging out at the shop a lot getting tattooed you know was friends with clem and dan and the guys and it worked out that uh, Dan was going to start tattooing because he was actually apprenticing there, and they needed someone to fill in. And since I was there hanging out a bunch and 
getting tattooed and familiar with everything, they're like, hey, you want to work a day? And, you know, we kind of fill in, answer phones, whatever, and you just get tattooed, you know, horse right. around, be an asshole. <laughs> right. So, uh, and that, I, you know, I knew that was my at least foot in the door into the world of tattooing. That was your, just that was, being a, a, you know, a bystander on the outside. So, yeah, that was yeah. your gift yeah. to do with it what you wanted. Exactly. Yeah. And so and, from then, how, my, how, mm-hmm. how did it, how did it move into, did it just move into more days or, uh, yeah, exactly. The more Dan started tattooing, uh, the more days became available where he wasn't being the shop guy as well. Mm-hmm. And it just worked into full time. And at the time I had, I was working for myself, restoring classic cars and shit. And so I, you know, I kept my own hours. I made really good money. And so I had the time available to work at the tattoo shop. And uh, I had stockpiled a bunch of money, you know, restoring cars just for a rainy day and decided that uh, this is what I always wanted to do. So I went ahead and took the job and basically kind of just lived off of my savings for a couple years. That's great, man. And, uh, And just made pretty shit money and just sucked it up and you know, swept the floors and mopped and got the guy's coffee. And, you know, at the time I think I was 30 or yeah. something like, you know, that's or, you know, 28, 28, I think, or something, you know, yeah, but you know what? up there. Yeah. But that's not even, I mean, you got at that time, I think when you're that age, you've gone through a little bit of shit. You've already been running your, you know, your own business. You obviously yeah. had your shit together to be able to save up, you know, money enough to, to, you know, fuck around and yeah. work hard for the for a couple of years. So, you know, it it I think sometimes getting into it later is is a little bit better. You know, you have a little more life yeah. experience. You you can you understand respect and you understand mm-hmm. a lot of shit that you maybe wouldn't as a young tattooer. Absolutely. Or or, or a young person getting into anything. And not yeah. not to say that it can't happen where somebody comes sure. into it at eighteen years old and just fucking rocks it out, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, and everyone gets into tattooing differently. There's no to me, there's no right or wrong way to do it. It's yeah. just the way the way the person does it. So yeah. and it, I, it I, is what it is. It is. And I thought you know, I've been thinking about this a lot lately. Um you know, my, from my own personal experience and a couple other experiences from other guys that that yeah. I've talked to, you know, uh, for seven years I I worked as a cop, you know, and I still yeah. tattooed. And for somebody to say, you know, that I love tattooing less or or I'm not as committed to tattooing, uh, are you standing outside? Yeah, c- c- there there's a quite a bit sure. of noise coming from. Sorry about that, guys. Whoever everyone's listening, we got uh, you know shits happening around Santa Cruz. People like if you if you haven't been to Santa Cruz, get the fuck down there. Go to a Black's Beach, body surf, get fucking tumbled over a wave. Whatever you want to do, go to Rivas on the Wharf. Couple plugs here, and then go get tattooed yeah. by Jason. But yeah, getting can... getting back to uh, what I was saying is uh, or thinking, some black tar. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, I worked for seven years as a, as a cop and, and all the time I tattooed. And, um, it's interesting to me that people, uh, you know, look down on that. It's to me, it should be the opposite. If there's a guy that's working 40 plus hours a week 
and he's still in the shop hustling and doing what he, you know, doing the right shit. He doesn't have to be there in the shop. He he's there because he loves it. You know, he, he's taking the flat. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I, you know, I just uh, I think uh, it's a misconception that people who maybe have a second job because they need to provide, you know, insurance for their family or whatever. You know, maybe that allows them to be more inspired by the fact that they don't have to worry about their, you know, their kids, dentist bill or, or, or whatever yeah. the fuck may be. But, um, you know, I think to, to look at somebody in a negative light because they, you know, maybe work a second job or didn't get into it, into tattooing with a le- legit apprenticeship. You know, I had a pretty standard apprenticeship, but... Well, I, I wouldn't even say that. What's a fucking standard apprenticeship? I had an apprenticeship where I was shown how to make needles, how to build a machine uh, with parts, and did three tattoos and was told to make money. <laughs> yeah. Totally. You know? And, and a lot are like that. I mean, and that's just the way it is. Yeah. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that, you know? No, not at all. I, I really yeah. I really think I mean, it's frustrating, but... <laughs> For sure. And you know what? Did I get myself into into shit that I shouldn't have been doing? If I would have had a little more structure, maybe, or somebody looking over my shoulder, uh, would I have out, you know, done that Celtic armband uh, off the tattoo brand Flash within the first month of tattooing? Fuck no. You know? Yeah. But that shit was 200 bucks in my pocket at the time. So, you know? Absolutely. And, and, and yeah. <laughs> so anyways, but, you know, I... I really enjoyed hearing the story that you told about um, the, well, first I want to, I want to hear the story about your first tattoo. And then I want to talk a little bit about your first sheets of flash that you were, that Clem had you do. Cause I think that's an interesting, I think sure. it's an interesting concept and I really like why he had you do that. So sure. Well, the, the first time I, Oh shit. I think we lost him. You there? Are you there? Yeah, I'm there. Okay, right. we're good. No, that's all right. Uh, the first time I actually touched a tattoo machine was um, was kind of unexpected. Uh, Clem and I and uh, Ed Saro that I work with were at Oliver Peck's Christmas toy benefit that he has uh, in Texas every December, you know? Right. And, uh, and it's just a huge, crazy, awesome party. And I think we had we'd gone to it twice, um, and I can't remember if it was the first or second time. But and this is a this is a party that takes place in Texas. Everybody flies in. Everybody mm-hmm. is in the same hotel. Yeah, it's, it's just crazy. A big riot. Yeah, like they he basically chartered a a flight. You know, he booked out like an entire Southwest airplane. Wow. And. Uh, and I think we flew out of Los Angeles. We flew down to Los Angeles, and it was all tattooers and people of that nature on this airplane. And so it was the party plane. Sure. And, and no, uh, not a party bus, a party fucking plane. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, there was a lot of weird stuff happening. It was awesome. So um, we're in Texas. We're in a bar. Um, it's probably 2 o'clock in the morning. You know, we've got a nice heater going. Um, and Oliver had set up a station basically in the back of this bar in this room. It's super dark. You know, there'd been all these like shows and bands and all this stuff playing, you know, all night. And, uh, we, we go back and find the room 
And uh, Clem was just like, yeah, you're going to, you know, tattoo me right now. And, you know, I was young, obviously, younger and had never tattooed. So I was basically just completely, like, freaked the fuck out, you know. And right. I and I remember, uh, you know, no, not to condone this to the public, but, uh, you know, there, there was no gloves involved. <laughs> you know, it was straight cowboy style. Yeah. And uh, so... Yeah, I set up the uh, the machine, and he told me just to write the word Texas on his arm. And I remember, I think there's a couple photos of Oliver, and it's in a dark room. Like, there's no lights. <laughs> so Oliver's standing over me holding a flashlight. Oh, and shit. And I think I remember, like, Tim Lehigh and, you know, uh, I think Jim Miner was there. A bunch of, of our buds, you know, and well-respected tattooers were all standing around me, you know, and I proceeded to just write texas on clem's arm any stencil nothing no 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 just straight just just go for it just that's it and he was standing up i was standing up you know it was it was awesome oh my gosh that is super memorable and and now it looks like tex ag because (laughs) the s like comes around and basically at the bottom touches itself again so it looks like a g right which is which is awesome so yeah repping for texas agriculture yeah and then ed had me do a little dot on his hand because he has some filigree type stuff coming down onto his hand. And he's like, yeah, I put a little dot here. So I put a dot and it was too close to a line because <laughs> I couldn't tell what I was doing. And I, you know, the machine was just super foreign to my hand and everything. So I basically just extended the line instead of putting a dot in front of it. And then, so my second tattoo was, was kind of like a cover up and rework all in one. Cause then I ended up putting the dot where it should be. So Oh shit. That's great, man. That's, uh, how, I mean, were you shaken nervous? Like what? That has to be just the craziest situation. Yeah. I mean, imagine the, you know, normally, you know, the first tattoo, or I would think normally uh, I can assume this is done in a shop. It's kind of a controlled environment. Maybe after, you know, the clients have left and you're just like, Hey, let's do this. And yeah. But fuck it, throw you into the fire and yeah. let's and do this shit. More just for the, the novelty of it, yeah. you know, and just to say that I, we did that. And it, it months after is when I actually did my first real tattoo. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that wasn't the floodgate opening. Like when we got back, it wasn't like, oh, you're a tattooer now, go for it. You know, it, that was just like a one-time kind of cool thing. And then, uh, and then shortly thereafter i actually did a real tattoo with a stencil and where they stood over me and kind of guided me through and all that stuff so right what was your what was your first one that you do you remember uh oh absolutely it's actually on clem's leg um it's a penguin holding a bottle of gin smoking a cigar and then i put the date under it too and it was off the the tattoo amsterdam museum poster there was a back i don't know 15 20 years ago, they had almost like a big door sized poster with all this flash on it. Right. And Clement got it over there and, and he, he picked it off of that and I didn't have any warning, you know, it was just one day he's like, yeah, you know, make a, make a line drawing of that and a stencil and we're going to put it right here on me and then, you know, set up the machines and we're going to tattoo me right now. So I was kind of out of the blue, you know, which was probably better because if I would have had some heads up, I probably would have thrown up all morning or 
I, who knows? <laughs> yeah. Well, I remember, I remember my first tattoo down at Gold Coast Tattoo. I came in and I was hanging out at the shop and I knew I was going to do this tattoo. It was on some, you know, ex-convict buddy of my friend, Jeremy Swans, um, mm-hmm. who had a, who didn't give a fuck if it was the guy who had been tattooing a week or the guy who had been tattooing, you know, five years or 10 yeah. years. This guy just wanted a customer, basically. He just wanted a free tattoo, man. And he was okay with with us picking it. So Steve picks this uh, eagle clutching a skull. And I remember being nervous, setting my my machines up. I'd be nervous putting the stencil on. And and Uh but as soon as I pulled that first line, it, it was it was like something just clicked, you know, and I was like, whoa, you know, I went through the I went through the tattoo and Steve kind of stood over me and helped me out but then let me kind of do my thing as he saw okay your shading's looking pretty good so I'm gonna walk away now and go to the you know go to the go to the store or kick it over here talking to these guys and um I remember being done with it and I got nervous again you know I was like oh shit you know the big adrenaline dump and and uh but those are good memories you know when you oh yeah thinking about those first uh tattoos and you know, the first time I remember some of the first paintings I did, um, which now your experience with with doing sheets of flash, that was one thing Clem had you do during your apprenticeship. Uh, but your first how many sheets? They were tribal, right? Tribal designs. Yeah. Uh, basically, the the first kind of lesson or the thing that he had me do was uh, fill out an entire kind of portfolio with, um, you know, basically like bold designs, like nothing, you know, no tattoo imagery as far as like, you know, skulls and ships and roses and stuff. We just wanted to work on the fundamentals of like, um, you know, composition, negative, positive space layout, you know, asymmetrical S curve, like all the basic fundamentals of putting together a tattoo which, you know, tribal lends itself to. And you don't have to worry about, you know, necessarily stylized, like how you're going to draw this rose. And so we just wanted to focus on me just getting stuff on paper, getting used to drawing every day and learning something in the process. So I basically filled in an entire book um, portfolio of American tribal designs from like, you know, lower back stuff to armbands to you know, half sleeve back pieces and they kind of grew and then it turned into Polynesian tribal, um, you know, about halfway through because I'd always kind of been interested in that. My wife's Hawaiian from Hawaii. And so, you know, I've always thought that stuff was super neat. And so, you know, doing a lot of research on that stuff and kind of being around a little bit, um, the second half of the, of my stuff is more like Polynesian style. Were you, stuff. did you add some shading into that stuff or was it more the just the black line work triangles, that kind of stuff? Or, did, or were you able to do some shading and, and start venturing into that, into that, uh, the painting of it? As far as, well, as far as like, you know, some, some Polynesian tribal stuff will have like in the, yeah, shading, like in the yeah. basket weave stuff and in yeah, the, yeah. um, no, this was all done with like microns and Sharpies. Yeah. So the first stuff was just on regular paper. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and we didn't, he didn't want to have to have me worry about, 
uh, trying to shade something or where to start shading stuff. And, you know, we just wanted to get the kind of negative and positive spin on things. And then uh, once I'd completed that book, which took about, I don't know, maybe four, five, six months, you Mm -hmm. know, it was a really thick book. Uh, Once I got that filled up and during this whole time too, we would critique, we had critique night uh, once a week, um, all the guys at the shop. So that was pretty brutal. Um, You know, you work on something all week, you bring it to the table and, uh, you know, then everyone rips it a new one in, in not a mean, you know, vindictive way, obviously a very constructive, you know, right. right? Which is what I needed and which, what, you know, the whole thing was about. So, you know, like, Oh, these, this radius of this circle is kind of wonky or, you know, that has no flow to it. And that's, you know, heavy and awkward and, or whatever. So, you know, along the way I was kind of fine tuning everything as well. Yeah. How, how valuable is that, man? A critique night. I I know that when, if you get in a, in the context of a, of a critique where somebody is trying to just help you out, um, Mm -hmm. it, it can be very, like you said, it's very brutal because, you know, for a lot, I mean, I had that, and I think I've talked about it before on the podcast, but I had a uh, Ryan Grobler from State True Tattoo in Dublin. Mm-hmm. He sat me down with my portfolio and chewed it up, you know, yeah. and, and, you know, that I mean, he, he tattooed, I think, for a decade down there in, in Santa Cruz. And I'm sure was seeing a lot of Clem's work and a lot of those guys. Uh, oh, yeah. I used to work with Ryan. Yeah. I- so, uh, I mean, that having that structure and having that critique and it was the first time really anybody had sat down and truly critiqued my work and, you know, and before that you have clients, it's all your clients. Well, they're coming to get tattooed from you. You know, they're, what are they going to tell you? You know, your shit don't stink to them. So yeah, you're, you're the best (laughs) tattooer in the world as far as they're concerned. Right. Or they'd be going to somebody else. So to have somebody that's a peer, um, and you know what I've been, I've been, uh, I got a little shit from, uh, you know, some of my family and stuff for, for being, uh, a little explicit on my podcast. I don't give a fuck though. I mean, they don't have to listen, you know? And, uh, so I looked up the definition of explicit and it says stated clearly and in detail, leaving no room for confusion or doubt, you know what? And I would imagine that those critiques that clam and what Adam Barton and Mm -hmm. Dan, Dan and Ed Ed were -hmm. giving you, we're very fucking explicit, leaving no room for, you know, no yeah, room no, to. No one was there stroking each other's ego. Exactly. And, and, yeah. and I think that a lot of times people have a fucking really hard time because their ego gets in the way and yeah. they go, oh, you know, that's bullshit. Uh, you know, whatever. And it's hard for people to, I mean, I, I find it in my shop, you know, sometimes it's hard for people to come in because I'm going to say. Like I told this kid the other day, he was coming in, he's just chilling, painting, um, kind of a hang around kid. And, uh, what's up, Josher? That's a shout out to Josher. Uh, keep working at it, man. But I was telling him the other day, he had a, he had an anchor design on one of his sheets and I had a yeah. rope that was wrapped around it. I said, you know, we were pointing out different things about the, about the rope and he goes, yeah, I can see where parts of it, you know, are, are kind of shitty. And I said, no, no, dude, the whole fucking rope is shitty. Like yeah. that, that whole thing, these little, these little like, uh, you know, rabbit turd pieces that you strung together are not fucking, that's not what a rope looks like. You know, yeah. it's, it's weird. And he, he took it, he took it, you know, 
well. I mean, he's... Oh, well, that's good. Yeah, yeah, he took it well, yeah. and he understands that I'm just trying to help him out and make his shit look better, you know? Yeah. And one Absolutely. thing that, one thing that I see with looking at your stuff, and it really... Actually, all the guys there at your shop it really have been an inspiration to me because not... I guess the first people that I saw doing the type of drawing where it it has enough detail in it mm-hmm. to make it and enough composition and, and structure to it to make it fucking look really good, but it's not, and there, but there's not uh over detail in it, you know, sure. and it's not too simplified. You guys, you know, you can see some guys doing stuff that's so simplified that it just doesn't look right either. And there's a yeah. fine mix there between, um, you know, too much detail and not enough. And I think one of the guys that, that, really I was turned on to is Mike Malone, you know, through Steve, um, and, and the tattoo time books, I always reference them, but shit, man, you know, that was an old guy that, that really had a nice way of drawing. It was very sleek and it was nice. And another dude that's Mm -hmm. still tattooing today, uh, that, that again, kind of impacted my tattooing and, and how I look at things was Jeff Rescher, who Mm -hmm. I've been tattooed by a couple times and, and he he also has a very you know nice um style that's that's just not overdone you know yeah so, absolutely you think- i mean that's that's the balance i mean that's the hardest thing about all of it is i think is finding that balance of you know too much or not enough yeah you know yeah. and that's i think myself i have a tendency to over complicate things and over detail things so my struggle is i'm constantly trying to refine my stuff down mm-hmm. because, and the more I tattoo, the more I realize like, I don't need all those little lines and whatnots in this little tight area. It's not going to do the tattoo any good. It's just going to make more work for myself and it's going to make it look cluttered. You know, I can, you kind of pick and choose your battles as far as where to, you know, put yeah. the detail or the rendering or whatever it is. Yeah, absolutely. So. absolutely, man. And I, you know what, it's interesting to hear you say it. And I saw it on that. I've been watching that, uh, those gypsy gentlemen, um, mm-hmm. uh, documentaries as as Marcus puts them out. That's another dude I'd love to talk to on the podcast, you know, cause he's doing some creative shit with these little short films. And it, it Jason Kundel had, had the same thing to say about, you know, as he's gone on, there's all mm-hmm. these little tweaky details that he used to maybe put a little bit too much into, and he's been able to refine it now to where he gets enough of them in there. But um, over time, it's not going to complicate the design, and you're going to be able. To, it's going to age better, and and you're yeah, still going to be able to. Yeah, yeah you're still be going to be able to look at it and go, oh, look at that shit. You know, yeah, but it's exactly. not going to not going to overtake the design. But what's Man, you've been around a lot of fucking good people, a lot of good tattooers, and probably had some pretty wild experiences. What do you think the f- craziest shit that's gone down in the tattoo shop or, or a, an experience that you've had around tattooers has been to hmm. date, do you think? Well, I just, I just I hit some, you out of left I field. Some, I had some pretty interesting uh, things happen when I was a shop guy. <laughs> let me hear Let me hear, Let me me hear. hear about it. I, I fucking find these stories um, just just funny man I, just cause... just drunk people you know like groping the tattooers uh <laughs> you know yeah people, bar- people barfing oh. um on themselves you know and then as a shop guy you have to clean that shit up which right. sucks and i don't do well with other people's barf you know <laughs> like most people <laughs> yeah <laughs> kind of like some stand by me shit where uh 
Yeah. So, um, you know, people shitting. Um, man, I, there's this crazy story of, of this this dude that was there hanging out with his son, who his son was probably in his 40s, 50s, and the dad was probably, you know, 60s, 70s, 80s, somewhere in there. And he had some health problems, and he had gone to the bathroom and was in there for like 45 minutes. Finally, he comes out, and the whole tattoo shop smells like crap. And he's cruising down the hall towards us, and he just yells, like, I have charisma for some reason. And just then this this big whiff of like shit hits me and uh sure enough I go back and somehow he had had an accident and got crap everywhere in the bathroom oh, he had, so <laughs> he had charismatically sprayed shit everywhere out of his yeah, ass and on his hand it just oh. was a mess and this wasn't at O'Reilly's this was a, a more of a street shop that we worked at before but um yeah, it was, you know, and I think I was, had been a shop guy for like two months at that point. And I was, you know, I had no idea. I thought this was just normal. Is that, is you that, know, this yeah. is, you know, everyday occurrences that happen, but yeah, yeah. that's um, when, that's when you got to be like, hey, hey, Dan, I've never handled this type of situation. Could you think you could show me how this one works, how to clean this up? Exactly. Yeah. You got a lot of experience, you know, being the <laughs> shop guy before me. Yeah. <laughs> he probably, um, <laughs> he's going to probably go tell you to fuck yourself, but what? <laughs> yeah, I've had some good, good times of kicking people out. Oh Not yeah. Early at O'Reilly's, but at the other place, that was, it's always fun. Um, you know, just, just the normal shenanigans that happen in tattoo shops. Oh yeah. Yeah. Same, same type of shit that happens in any, any tattoo shop USA, man. Yeah. I, we have the, yeah. you know, you got the yeah. Louisville slugger, uh, mm-hmm. and, and the little tire knocker, I got both of them sitting up behind the counter. One is the one is the manager, one is the assistant manager, and somebody exactly. wants to get somebody wants to get squirrely. You know, yeah, you could talk to the yeah. manager yeah, for yeah. sure. <laughs> I, you know, I've heard uh, Ed that I work with say this before, but he's like, "Hey, man, we're not selling fucking candy canes here. It's a goddamn tattoo shop. Right? Like, it should you should still be scared to come into a tattoo shops. You know, not yeah. scared." enough to not come in, but, but you should definitely be, you know, it's a tattoo shop. It, they're intimidating. You know, I don't like going in tattoo shops. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, you know, ones that I'm not familiar with. It's just weird. It's, you know, it's like, so there should still be a little bit of that mystique I in think, tattoo shops. I think, you know, I think there is. And I think that it's all, you know, really it's incumbent upon the, the tattoo shop and, and whether it's the owner or the guys that work there to really kind of, you know, have that feel kind of resonate through the shop and not in a negative way, but exactly just yeah. in a, just in a way that, um, the person maybe gets a little bit extra excitement because they're getting something at this shop. That's a little bit, you never, you never know if some 80 year old guy is going to shit in the bathroom and come out screaming care, you know, that he has yeah. charisma. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, it, you it, know, and it's kind of our job to, make people feel comfortable too once they do come in and, and let them realize hey we're not a bunch of like too cool for school guys or rock stars or whatever you know mm-hmm. that we're just dudes trying to make tattoos you know and do a good job at it or the best that we can with what we've got and uh you know yeah totally usually there's enough joking around and and stuff to where i think people feel somewhat comfortable once they've kind of broke the ice 
So, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I know that, uh, we've worked together a little bit down at gold coast, um, yeah. while I was guest spotting down there and you were, you were filling in, uh, for some days as well. And, um, you know, that's one thing that I think, you know, I noticed about you with your clients is that you have a real kind of genuine feel. I mean, you have a genuine, uh, interest in them. Sure. Yeah. I you mean, know, I, it's, I like people. And I've heard a lot of, ta- you know, over the years, you hear certain tattooers, you know, oh, I, I don't like people or, you know, I'm not a people person. Well, you picked the wrong fucking career. Yeah. You know, like don't bitch and complain because you don't like people. I mean, we're tattooers. We put our hands on people all day long in a very intimate, you know, it's intimate. It's intimate. And my wife yeah. and I were talking about this the other day because she is, uh, She's a massage therapist uh, here in Lodi, and um, you know it's the same type of thing. You are touching people in an intimate way, but a non-sexual way. You know, it yeah, is yeah. it is an intimate thing. You're putting some of your own art on somebody for life, and um, it is intimate. It's not sexual, but it's intimate, and you have to be concerned with that. You know, you have to. I've yeah, thought, you have to make them feel comfortable. You have to be professional. You have to, you know know when to joke around and know when not to joke around. Right. And you I got, you got to know when to, uh, tack on the idiot tax, uh, just to make it, get, just to make you able to get through that and be nice. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So the way, the way we look at it is if we're not joking with you and making fun of you, we probably don't like you. It's exactly, just, you know, yeah, it's just exactly. Any realm or any circle, you know. Yeah, so. it's exactly what I've said. You know, I've said it at our shop. You know, we we talk about it. The guys there and I all the time. You know, if somebody comes in and and we're not giving you shit, then that's when you better start worrying that <laughs> something's yeah. not right. You know, exactly. Um, yeah. So well, that's good. So you, uh, your wife is from Hawaii. I've seen some pictures uh, from over there. Where do you where do you go and stay over there? Uh, well, her family's in, uh, in Maui. Okay. And so, um, but I mean, we've, we've kind of bounced around as far as when we travel over there to the different islands and actually me and the guys from the shop are going to Oahu in, uh, December, the first part of December. So just in a couple weeks coming up, we, um, all painted a set of flash together a year or two ago and, and painted a big poster. And so we've just been uh, selling those and kind of saving the money. And we usually do a trip once a year, once every two years as a shop together. You know, I think we went to New York a couple of times and we just chose something a little warmer this time. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, one thing that, uh, I was super impressed about you, you know, your guys, Clem's shop there is your, the camaraderie that you guys have and, you know, going out to different shops and, and doing a, uh, tattoo day where you go, you all go get tattooed by somebody or sure. uh, you yeah. go on a, vi- you know, vacation together. You know, it's, yeah. that's amazing. And I, I like that you guys created that out of doing a set of flash or doing a poster where it's, mm-hmm. it's everyone's efforts. And then y'all get to reap the benefits of that. You know, it's, sure. it's pretty cool. Absolutely. Yeah. So. No, I mean, it's, you know, we're all best friends, which is awesome. I mean, we work together. We're, together more than we're with our families basically. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Clem built a pretty awesome environment for us to, you know, thrive in and do our job. And, 
you know, everything's taken care of for us and, you know, it just makes working together just totally cake, you know, which is awesome. So, yeah, when you have a good crew, it definitely yeah. makes for a nice environment and, and, you know, any little bullshit that happens, you, you know, it's easily gotten over and, and yeah, exactly. Uh, do you surf when you go over to Hawaii? No, no, I am not a water dude. So no seven, no seven mil wetsuit with a hoodie and uh, with a, with a hood no. and footies for you out there in Santa Cruz. No, I mean, I grew up here, I grew up skateboarding, but just not getting in the water, not, I don't know. Skate, you know what I saw? I saw, um, yesterday, uh, uh-huh. Mike Vallely had posted a picture of him doing, uh, some big, you know, transfer at Derby skate park. And I used to skate, oh, yeah. man, I used to skate Derby every yeah. day when I lived in Santa Cruz and, yeah. uh, you know, go down to, and then just South there, what was that? The Buena Vista bowl. Oh yeah. 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 The Buena Vista pool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Super I, famous pool that, yeah, I used to skate that and I actually was able to just paint that. I did a little Santa Cruz type mural in there because Thrasher was filming for some video. Um, so we were able to paint that before they, they filmed so that it would be in the, in the video. And yeah, I mean, there's a lot of awesome skateboarding history here. I grew up with all the dudes that work at NHS, which is Santa Cruz independent creature. Right. It's like that all company. Yeah. Well, who was, who who was down there when I was there? It was like Israel Forbes and Ron Whaley and all those guys that used to skate Mm -hmm. there every day. And, and, uh, there was a couple, who are the brothers that were from consolidated that those guys just fucking ripped, man. I can't remember what their names. Is it Justin? Um, I'm not sure. You know what? The Strubing brothers. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, uh, I remember seeing those guys and, and uh, just being blown away. Oh, yeah. You know, Ron would come out there super tall and lanky and just, mm-hmm. you know, pop huge yeah. ollies. And, uh, oh, yeah. It's pretty cool. How'd you get into, um, how'd you get into fixing up old cars and shit? Um, that, my pops had always had some kind of, you know, old car, classic car growing up that he was working on and had, you know, he grew up in the, 60s late 50s and 60s and 70s so you know he used to like drag race muscle cars and you know was just super into that so I had been around it since I was a kid and my first car was an old car and that he helped me get and fix up and what kind was that uh, I was a 66 Barracuda Plymouth Barracuda so I remember working all summer to get that and fixing it up I think I was 16 and uh what color was it uh, I was like a steel blue color oof yeah it's, you know, one of those cars you wish you still had, but yeah. So, well, and then, you know, that was just a hobby of mine. I'd always kind of been into old cars and, um, you know, I didn't, the graphic arts thing kind of ran its course for me, you know, as far as just wanting to sit in a cubicle all day and type on a computer and design shit. So I kind of did the opposite where I was out and about, you know, looking for cars and buying them and fixing them up and, had a crew of guys working for me and you know it was a lot of fun sounds like it it sounds like it did you do how many cars like for that uh how long did you do that for um i probably did it full time for maybe five years i think you know and then a a couple years before and after that was kind of Mm part-time you know i think I, i probably had a hundred plus cars easily wow 
Yeah. That's so amazing, every, man. Every make and model you can think of. So, do, do you have do you have a favorite that kind of stands out to where you were just like, wow, man, we did a lot of cool shit, or or this one is just classically yeah. simple. There's a bunch of them that I absolutely wish I had never sold. You know, that are now worth just a ton of money, and they're just super rare and neat, cool cars. You know, that you can't really just go buy anymore. Um, to have had some seventy Barracudas or seventy Cudas. With like 440 pistol grip, four speed, you know, a, just a bunch of really cool muscle cars. So yeah, that's you know what I'm. I'm not a. I have a couple. Well, I have one old car. It's a '50 Chevy yeah. Styline Deluxe four door. Yeah. It was my. It was my dad's. He got it for 50 bucks in trade for some shit back in Minnesota a long time ago. Uh-huh. Sat in the garage for many many years. I used to drive it around during summers, and yeah, you know, I definitely want to fix that up uh, when I have the chance and. Totally. Um, you know, I had at one point, um, I had a 1926 Dodge Brothers Coupe that huh. that my grandfather had fixed. You know, he had it restored. Yeah. Um, it had the original engine in it. It was, you know, had the crank start on the front. Uh, had the transmission lock, which I didn't know about the transmission lock and what it was. What it was told, how it was told to me was the transmission, the transmission lock inside was something that the ladies would use. Now, if they go down to the grocery store mm-hmm. and, you know, need to run in for some fucking eggs and bread and milk, well, they can just lock the transmission, keep the st- car running, run into the store, come back out, and they don't have to crank it over. Oh, okay. Because it was harder to crank over, so they could sure. just lock yeah. the transmission with <laughs> the key and, and run in and do their business, come back out and bounce. So, but, uh, yeah, I, you know what? I had to sell that one. It's probably sitting, hopefully it's still sitting at the Ellingson car museum in Minnesota. And, uh, you know, when I have a chance, I'm going to try to swoop that one back up. That was, you know, have my grandfather's car and my dad's car. Uh, and that would be, that'd be pretty, pretty cool. But do you have any, uh, do you have any old cars right now that you're, that you're still driving around or? Yeah, I have one that, uh, that I've had for a couple of years. It's a 1950 Chevy uh, truck, a 3100. It's a five window. It's, um, you know, everything's always a work in progress, but sure. it's, it's pretty much all good to go. You know, it's kind of more low rider kind of bomb style Yeah, uh, with the skirts and the visor and, you know, all that stuff that goes along with it. So yeah, the bomba. Yeah. It's a super fun, fun truck to cruise around so that's cool I, you man. know i grew up in watsonville which is a little south of santa cruz and I was, you know pretty much the only white kid in the neighborhood it was all mexican and uh so i just grew up around kind of low riders and yeah a whole culture which you know sounds weird but for a long time i felt more a part of that than i did any like white people shit <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, I Just think that's... I didn't even know what that was. Sure. So. Well, in... in uh, I am wearing today uh, uh-huh. my fake Pendleton from Costco. cost me $13. <laughs> it's crypt out blue, and uh-huh. uh, I wore it for you today, man. I, I knew... Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, no shit. I'll, I'll no sweat. Pendleton. I have like 20 real Pendletons. Yeah, so I, I you know what? I have, a, <laughs> I have a couple of them uh, that I've gotten at some used stores, you know, uh, uh-huh. uh, once... Uh, they're fucking awesome, man. I, I oh, like absolutely. them, you know, Pendleton's and some, uh, some Dickies and some, some vans, you know, that's, that's yeah. all day, man. <laughs> yeah, that's the uniform. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. So I just tattooed some kids from, uh, uh, from Watsonville yesterday. Really? Was oh, it yesterday? Nice. No, a day before. Uh-huh. And, uh, 
um, they came in and decked out in Raider gear and, and, sure. uh, they were, and the kid was only like 20, 20, 19 or 20. And he was a, uh-huh. he was a field worker and he spoke yeah. halfway good English and, uh, his girl seemed a little bit more, you know, Americanized Her English was a little bit better and, yeah. um, shit like that. But hella cool, hella cool people, man. Uh, you know, just, oh, absolutely. It, it seems having been down there uh, a little mm-hmm. bit working in Santa Cruz and in, uh, or living in Santa Cruz this is before I was tattooing and then tattooing yeah. down in Monterey. You mm-hmm. know, you have a lot of those, a lot of those guys would come in and get tattooed. Um, Oh yeah. Yeah. I still tattoo a, a ton of people that are from my hometown. And yeah. Do you speak you Spanish? Know. Uh, I used to growing up be able to, you know, speak it pretty good. I moved out of Watsonville like 15 years ago and kind of, haven't really spoken it since, but you know, growing up, that I mean, that was the only way I could talk to my friends' parents and their aunts and uncles. Right. You know, I never really thought about it. It's just the way it was, and from a little kid, so you know, yeah, it's one of those things I wish I would have stuck with. Yeah, I would imagine if you, you know, having that that baseline from when you were a kid, though, it's yeah. something you could pick up probably pretty pretty fucking quick. Totally. Yeah. You know, plus, and you know, right now, I mean, it's, you could, you could really use that every day. I mean, if you wanted oh, to, if you want to walk around and speak nothing but Spanish, I think you probably could. Yeah. No, I so, that's, but you know, talk shit about white people behind their back. Yeah. You know what? I that's, was worried. That's I, the I, one good valuable I, thing I remember. I, you know what? I had a buddy who <laughs> is from, uh, I went to college with in, and he's from San Diego. He used to work at the, uh, he worked at like a Rayleigh's or a Safeway down there. But then he, um, his dad and, and him were, both worked at a, a restaurant called the Bull Weevil down there in San Diego. I don't know if they even exist anymore. But um, when he was working at Safeway, he used to work in the liquor section. And he had, two, you know, two guys come in and, and they were they were Hispanic and he, they were speaking Spanish. And he, he spoke fluent Spanish, you know, but he's a white, you know, he's a white guy like you and me. Yeah. Uh, and he's, uh, he's watching him kind of, you know, from, from around the corner and they're talking about stealing some liquor. Right. And so he just walks up to him and, you know, just deadpan looks him in the eye and speaks to him in Spanish and says, I don't think you should be, you know, stealing any liquor. Maybe you guys should leave right now. And they both looked at him with like saucers for eyes and walked out. Yeah. They didn't, they couldn't believe that this little white kid was walking up to him, checking him on, <laughs> on some shit. Yeah. It comes in handy sometimes. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I, I know, uh, I don't speak any other languages, but, uh, but English, but I know a little, the only thing in Japanese, hopefully you have some Japanese listeners, and uh, the only thing I know how to say is "watoshi wa nihongo ga wakarimasuka," and that's it. I don't even know what the fuck it means. I think it means I know how to speak a little Japanese, but I don't know. Yeah. Shit, dude, I'm just a dumb white tattooer. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So, I always just say no, no cerveza, no trabajo. So <laughs> yeah, that's ex- kind of my go-to. Right. Right. Exactly. So what uh, you've been working on? Any like? painting projects or anything like that lately or any good tattoos that you you've been doing that you've been super psyched on i mean all your Uh, shit is cool but you know let me think yesterday i did uh three armbands on a kid's forearm that was that was cool just like (laughs) you know just this just the the straight black line you know half inch wide bands on the forearm and then, and is, then after that, I was I did some uh, some neat kind of old flash stuff like mm-hmm. Arrowhead with a 
uh, Indian chick's head on it and a kind of old bird chick. Stuff out of uh, Flash from the Past book. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I mean, I'll do any and everything. You know, probably being the newest tattooer in the shop, um, as far as like years in the business go, mm-hmm. I'll usually get kicked down all of the stuff that, uh, you know, script names, kanji, tribal. I think today, let me look at my schedule. I'm doing one of those geometric roses this morning at nice. noon. And then at four, I'm doing, working on a guy's tribal half sleeve chest panel. So nice. Yeah, that's <laughs> you know, cool, it's pretty, man. It's a pretty good a mix of, you know, yeah, real eclectic just, just mix tattoos. Of, yeah. And, that, you uh, know what? That's what it's all about, man. I, I think yeah. that, um, you know, for me, I like traditional stuff, but sure. I can also get super into black and gray. And I've been, uh-huh. I think I said it before, uh, also on the podcast, I've been pretty inspired to try to do some more black and gray stuff. And, um, I'm super into that dot work stuff too. And, sure. you know, it's when you see a tattoo that's done to quality that I don't care what style it's in. It, to me, it looks fucking magical you know what i mean you can tell that it's you know the structure's right and everything i always go back to that shit you know because it it makes so much of a difference uh to to the tattoo and everything i mean it's just uh you know when you see something that's put together nicely totally yeah when it's got some some love in it yeah absolutely i think that goes to that that being said i think it goes with flash as well you know Mm-hmm. not just putting down a piece of flash on uh on paper but actually really putting the time into how it's you know how it is on the paper and how it is uh yeah. where these things go and you know the different sure. elements within the design but it's fucking cool man i i uh yeah. i uh i think it's pretty cool that you went from you know graphic design i would imagine it, there's some creativity but there's there's a lot of, like you said, sitting in a cubicle and, and clicking the control button yeah, and, and figuring some shit out. But taking taking that creativity aspect of it, starting to mm-hmm. do cars, which you loved, and then moving into tattooing, do you find that you still draw like inspiration from those other areas? Oh, or? absolutely. I think being a graphic artist kind of shows probably through in some of my tattoos as far as how neurotic I can be with, <laughs> with things, you know, wanting it to be really clean, really straight, like, you know, that whole thing. It's hard for me to get super loose with tattoos. It's just not the way that I'm put together. And that's something that I kind of struggle with, you know, wanting to be a little more loose, a little more fluid. You know, that's, that's something that doesn't come t- natural to me. I have to really like, you know, think about that and or not think about it and just let it happen you know yeah i think that uh, i would imagine that being aware of it is is the first step in you know in anything and i think that being aware of that and allowing yourself to really kind of be in that moment and really be free with it uh helps you know just that understanding that hey and you know i need to take a different approach or i need to Mm -hmm. you know uh there was a there was uh somebody on Instagram and I forget the dude's name. It's Dave something. I'm so bad with names. It just came to me that fucking I can't remember no motherfucker's name. But 
anyways, he, he does some pretty badass shit and he's like, I'm tired of, I'm tired of, you know, my art right now. And I went through yeah. that stage where I kind of am still going through that stage where I'm really kind of sure. trying to focus on what, you know, a direction for my art and, and for me, it, I have to take it back to basics, you know, and really, uh, get back to, you know, just using a few colors and, and, you know, yeah, not trying absolutely. to do fucking too many crazy things in the background and, and shit like that. So, uh, how, uh, yeah. how do you, how do you approach like, um, when you get into yeah. a, into a set yeah, of, every, everything goes in cycles, you know? Yeah. Yeah. For, for sure. So, do you have to, uh, it sounds like there's a few other people rolling around, man. Um, you know, shit, we can, uh, we're at about an hour. So I appreciate, I appreciate you doing this, Jason. It's, it's been a fucking pleasure to talk to you as always. It it was, it was nice catching up at the, uh, SFO convention and, and seeing you again. And, um, yeah, thank you, dude. I super appreciate it. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, Where can people, um, people can get a hold of you where at and you know, uh, they can, I'm, here full-time at O'Reilly's in Santa Cruz and uh, we have a website it's O'Reilly's tattoo parlor.com the phone number is 831-425-7690 and you can call and set up an appointment and uh, you can see some of my stuff on my webpage it's just jasonandersontattoo.com or on Instagram and it's jason underscore anderson underscore 1891 um yeah yeah that's awesome man and uh you know what guys if you're listening you want to be fucking blown away by some paintings <laughs> the last few blog posts uh will rock your fucking world so and uh how would how would somebody do you guys still have those flash sheets and the and the posters oh, yeah. for sale how, yeah, how would somebody yeah. go about I've, getting those um they can buzz the shop or uh email us um through the website okay and uh, we have, you know, PayPal and shipping yeah. places yeah. and all that stuff. So, you know, we ship worldwide, um, you know, it. so they can they can buy the shop set of Flash, my Flash, the poster. Yeah, that's so. great, man. Well, you know what? I would encourage everybody to go check this shit out. Um, if you're in the Santa Cruz area or you got uh, some scratch to fucking throw down for an airline ticket, roll out and uh, fucking get tattooed by these guys. Absolutely. I need to get back in there and have Dan finish my back piece. One of these days I will do it. I was thinking about that this morning, oh, actually. Shit, I'm dude. Like, did, did you, is that finished or no, it's about 17 hours in and we have, yeah. it, it's at a, it, it's at a, you know, he completed the whole upper portion, save for the, save for the dragon and a little bit of water. So, sure. Uh, the, badass. Oh God, I love it, man. It's the, it's the biggest commitment to a tattoo I've ever made. And it's the one I yeah. see the least. Yeah. <laughs> so, but well, Hey Jason, thanks man. Have a great fucking day. And, um, I will, uh, I will talk to you soon, my brother. You got it. Thanks man. Right. Take care, Joe. Bye. Okay, everybody. This is uh, that was podcast. Uh, don't know what episode. Um, creeping up on ten or something. And uh, that was with Jason Anderson. Hope you enjoyed it. Little Miles Davis. We're gonna let this uh, song play at the end here. You'll be able to hear the whole thing. 
Uh, it's off the Birth of uh, Cool album. So I uh, hope you enjoyed it. Um, we we had a good, had a good time talking with Jason, and uh, he, he's been a friend of mine for a little while and uh, for a few years, and really enjoyed his work and and uh, paintings and all that. So support those guys, support that shop, um, support uh, the podcast if you uh, would be so kind to do so, and if you're enjoying listening to this shit. Uh, one, one way you can do it. I would like to sell, uh, some more of these posters. I'm going to be doing a limited run of the, this is a gun poster. And, uh, 10% of that again is, uh, we're beating a broken horse or, or, uh, what we're, uh, what's that saying? What is the saying where you, uh, I don't know, drag a dead horse around the corral or some shit. I, hit me up on Twitter. Let me know what it, the fuck it, what it is. I don't know what I'm saying, but if you're so inclined, go ahead and PayPal blackdaggertattoo at gmail.com. Make sure you include your address and, and all that shit. I'll send you one of those posters out when I get them uh, printed. Um, they are coming soon. There's going to be 25 of them, hand-numbered, hand-signed. And uh, also, um, you can uh, support by coming get tattooed. This is going to air on Saturday morning. Um, so... Uh, come and get tattooed by me in, in Vacaville on Saturday and on, in Lodi on Sunday. So, um, again, thanks for listening. I appreciate all the support. Hit me up and let me know, um, what you guys want to hear, who you want to hear from, or if you're just fucking liking it. And, um, that's that man. That was another episode and, and keep enjoying listening. Uh, keep, keep listening and keeping enjoying, uh, hearing this shit. And, um, you know, stay, stay positive, keep painting, keep tattooing. If you're, if you're doing that, uh, if you're a fucking plumber or some shit, then keep doing that shit and, uh, keep having fun with it and, you know, stay on your hustle. The time is now folks. If you want to fucking live your dreams, do it. Cause a lot of people on unemployment, a lot of people, you know, not doing, not able to get jobs. You know what? Fucking hustle and do some shit, make some stuff happen. If you like, uh, crafts, if you like, uh, fucking, I don't know, whatever you like, make, make a business out of it and, um, do it. So I hope this is inspirational for you guys. I hope that, uh, these stories and, and, you know, uh, from these tattooers and these other folks, uh, keep you guys motivated. So, all right, well, this is it. The next two minutes and 29 seconds is going to be Miles Davis. So enjoy, and we'll see you next time. Holy shit, that was good. That was real fucking cool, man. I wonder if this is... uh, Yeah, it's fucking recording. It's just not coming up on my little thing. So that ended kind of abruptly. And there was a little glitch in there because I tried to tweet some shit. OG Joe Swanson on Twitter. So... um, Sorry about that, but fuck, man. Go get the Birth of Cool album and uh, listen to that shit. It's pretty good. Just zone out, fucking meditate maybe. I don't know. Go get it. Go to the park, you know. Have fun. Be outside. Stay on your hustle. Be positive, everybody. Thanks for listening. I uh, appreciate it, and um, I know the guests do too. So take care. Have a great day. Talk to you next time.